This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. 7-2 Houston, two outs, man at second, bottom of the sixth inning. On the way to the payoff. Swing and a miss for strike three. Good off-speed pitch. And the young rookie, Anthony Masevich, in his big league debut, strikes out Jose Altuve for his first career big league ticket punch. Welcome back. Glad you're with us for hour number two of the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, now joined by Mariners reliever Anthony Masevich, kind enough to join us from his home just outside of Detroit in Mount Clemens, Michigan. Anthony, it's good to talk to you. Happy New Year. How are you, my friend? Good, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you guys having me and Marco on the show, and I'm doing well. Hope you guys had a good New Year yourselves. Very good, very good. Everything's good here. It's very rainy. What's the, uh, what are the temperatures checking in right now in the uh, Mount Clemens area in Michigan? Uh, well, in the mornings, it's about 20, and then it gets up to about 29. So it's not unbearably <laughs> cold, but I can say the last two days, me and my brother played golf with some snow on the green, so... We're, uh, the Michiganders are still out there trying to get every round of golf when we can, even in January. Okay, now you say it's not unbearably cold, and I think most of us would disagree <laughs> with <laughs> to describe 20 to 29 degrees. Um, as, a, as a lifelong Michigander, Anthony, what, what in your definition is unbearably cold? What, what temperature are we talking about? Uh, I'd, I'd just say like anything from probably 10, 5 to 10 degrees right there with some snow on the ground. That's the good thing. We got no snow, so I can't I can't complain too much about the cold weather. But I'd say anything from five to ten degrees is I'm probably not going outside my house that day. Yeah, I think that's probably a very good decision. Yeah, single how, digits. How you, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, how have you adjusted, by the way, during your time uh, in Seattle or when you were in Tacoma, just down the road? Uh, snow versus rain. What do we have? A is it a pick your poison situation? What do you have a preference? How are you feeling about either one of them? Uh, that's a tough question. I don't know. It is a pick your poison. I think um, for playing purposes, I'm almost, I'm almost rather playing snow because uh, the rain. Once you get wet, man, there's no there's no going back. You can't get dry. But driving purposes, I don't know. It has to be rain because even I've been here for 26 years and people still don't know how to drive in snow and ice. So I'd just, I'd just say rain, honestly, unless we're playing ball. Then I'll, I'll play in snow. I've done it before. Yeah, I'm guessing at Michigan State, right? You had a game or two with flurries that have had to have happened. Oh yeah, there's a, there's quite a few, and then one time they had us try and shovel the whole field off. So there's there's been a quite a few experiences with snow in, in my part of town. Now, did the players have to shovel the field? Is that what you're saying? When you were in college at Michigan State, was this a, a part of your daily pregame routine? They they tried one time. We actually showed up to our locker room. They had they had a shovel in each of our lockers, and they said, "Come on, this is our workout for the day." So we got about about two square feet of shovel snow off the off the grass and they said all right i think we're gonna bang this today now guys good job (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't a daily routine after that (laughs) hey anthony as we're talking here with anthony misevich who just uh, completed his first season of the majors with the mariners in 2020 working out of scott services bullpen anthony you had a a really tremendous first year in the majors anthony i think for maybe the more casual fan, it, it could have flown under the radar a little bit. But when you look at the numbers that you posted, uh, working basically as a reliever for the first time, I know you had relieved some in the minors, but you were 
primarily a starter, to say the least. So this was, in many ways, it seemed like a new role for you. Uh, you led all Mariners relievers in total appearances. You led them in strikeout rate, a strikeout rate of right around 30% with while still maintaining a low walk rate and doing it with a good mix of pitches. So when you now have time to go back and reflect on your first campaign in the show, um, what is it that you think about the most? Uh, I, I definitely think about, you know, the big situations that, you know, Skip put me in and, you know, Woody let me, you know, handle myself. Um, those are probably the top things that stick out. You know, those big situations where I was able to get out of it, help the boys, throw up a zero on the board. Um, the strikeouts are always good. You know, there can always be more, but, you know, really trusting me as a young guy in my first year in the big league, just putting me in those big, tough situations and, you know, hoping I can I can man up and, you know, get the outs we need. So those are the ones that stick out. I felt like I'd, I had a couple of mishaps this year. I mean, that's always going to happen. It could have been uh, number-wise a little bit better, but those big moments that I succeeded were, you know, top, top of the cake for me. How was the transition to the bullpen? For me, I thought it was probably the easiest thing I could have done, honestly. I knew it was my, my ticket to the big leagues, and I was waiting for somebody to tell me just to, you know, take the bullpen roll and go with it. It's a lot easier throwing one inning and throwing six innings, guys, I'll tell you that. I mean, after <laughs> one, I feel great, and after about five, I'm, I'm pretty much cashed out. So it was like the, it could have been the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's almost unfair to ask because this is you're just – man, you've just put your toe in the big league waters. But is this a role that you feel you uh, – enjoy enough to be in this role for some time is there still a part of you that craves the routine of being a starter or is the instant adrenaline pump of working in the bullpen something that you really feel like is something that you thrive with i think i think it's the adrenaline pump man coming out of the bullpen getting your name called when that phone rings i think it's it's something else because you know you're as a starter you have those first five days or those four days to get ready and you know it's kind of the anticipation you know you're kind of waiting but you know the bullpen life for me it's it could be every single day and it just fires me up that I know they trust me enough to go out there every day and do my job. So I think I could, I could do this definitely for a while. Tell us about the first time you got that call, your, your major league debut opening day, which is the strangest opening day. I think we've all ever seen, but there you are getting the call, your first big league appearance. What do you remember about that day? Not, I remember striking Altuve. That's about it. Um, <laughs> honestly, it kind of went blank when I heard I first the first three hitters. But that's about the only thing I remember is you know getting him three two and him swinging out of his shoes. But um, I knew I knew definitely I was going to either throw that day or the next day. So it was kind of just it was like I said the anticipation just building up to like getting my feet wet and getting my routine set in the big league. So that's all I remember. It's kind of blackout and just trying to get as many outs as I could before they don't trust me anymore. So it was quite an experience. Mariners reliever Anthony Masevich is our guest on the Hot Stove Report. Anthony, you are in the strange position to have received two different phone calls from Jerry DePoto. <laughs> you got a phone call that said that you were headed to Tampa Bay, which I got to say, you're not the first Mariners player to get a phone call from Jerry <laughs> saying that he was going to Tampa Bay. But then you got a phone call from Jerry uh, welcoming you back. For those who don't recall or maybe weren't aware, you were drafted by the Mariners. And then two years later, you were traded to Tampa Bay. And then four months after that, you were reacquired by Jerry and the Mariners. You returned to Seattle. What was that ping pong back and forth like? Because you had been with the Mariners for long enough, I'd imagine, to have kind of some roots set in terms of coaches, teammates, minor league towns. You had a routine of people and places and then you go you barely unpack your bags and then you're coming back yeah honestly when you get traded you know I, I didn't really experience until that point but it's 
your heart kind of sinks to the bottom of your feet. You know, you don't know what to do. You're going to a, a new organization with new people, new players, new teammates. You have no idea what's going on or the city you're going to. It's, I was kind of in shock, honestly. I thought, you know, Darren Brown, when he was my manager back in Arkansas when I got traded, I thought he was a joke, honestly, because we had an off day. So I thought he was just messing with me, you know, you know, I play a joke on this. It's really funny. But when Jerry called me, I was kind of like, uh, I kind of asked him for advice. Like, what do I do? You know, who do I, who do I talk to? And, you know, he kind of reassured me that everybody will reach out to me. But when they called me back, it was, it was almost like Christmas. It was, I think it was December 12th or 13th. Um, you know, they let me, let me know I got reacquired and it was almost like a Christmas miracle, you know, cause I wanted to see all the people I knew and all my teammates. So it was, when I went there, you know, I was kind of uncertain of what happened. And then I met some really good people in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. And when I came back, I was even more overjoyed that I could come back to the Mariners and, hopefully make my stamp in the big leagues with them. At what point in your journey did you believe that getting to the majors, getting to the big leagues was something that was realistic and could happen? I'd have to say last year. Hmm. Um, probably after my, my AAA debut, you know, after I started, I had, I had some struggles, but when I started throwing well, I figured, you know, maybe they'll give me a shot this September. And I thought I was, you know, super close to actually making my debut then. But that's when it kind of really kicked in that I'm, you know, I'm kind of, a hop, skip, and jump away from really making myself a, a name in the big leagues. So I'd have to say last year, right around then. Anthony, I want, I want to talk about your name because, you know, for people like Gary and myself who we pronounce names for a living, I got to tell you, <laughs> Anthony, we had to write yours out with some dashes in it for a while. I, I need to know, <laughs> tell me, can you recall at any point in your career, this could be in college, it could be in the minors, was there one particular butchering of your name by a PA announcer that you just had to laugh at? I mean, I have to imagine that in some small minor league towns where they're not they're not checking in on names. I mean, this this one could go south easily. <laughs> oh, it goes south a lot. You a lot more than a lot more than that. It does it does go south. But um, I think I was I was playing actually in Little Rock in Arkansas, and I think it was my first start of the year, and I I played there the year before, and the announcer just like totally butchered my name. I think I think he. It said like it sounded like my sandwiches. <laughs> my sandwiches, and everybody just kind of we, we just stopped and looked. And everybody looked at me, and I was I had no idea. I was just almost laughing, crying on the mound, you know, trying to warm up for the game. So there's been some tough ones, but you know, as it as I keep going, you know, once you get the dashes and kind of figure out the pronunciation, it's, it kind of rolls off the tongue nice and easy. Is I got, there? I, I kind of like my can... sandwiches. I got to be honest. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an even better answer than I could have hoped for, to be honest with you. Is, has there been any uh, confusion between Masevich and Nick Margavichis? I mean, has there been – have you guys been, you know, one called on for something when it should have been the other? I guess it's helpful that Nick was working eventually in the rotation. But, I mean, this, this could be made for make for some awkward bullpen phone calls. No, actually, thank God it didn't. You know, I've, I've Woody's been my pitching coach for – almost four years now. So he knows me pretty well, but I, when, when actually I met uh, Mark Gavishus, I, I kind of nicknamed him. I just gave him the nickname, the Marg, you know, just kind of everybody screaming the Marg at him. So anytime they called down, it, would, it wouldn't even be Mark Gavishus, just be getting Marg going or Miz. So we kind of, we had some good nicknames going down in the bullpen for a little bit, but uh, thank God there was no confusion between that. Because I don't think I could fill the role he he does, man. He does something special. So you know, you bring up an interesting point. You've had the same pitching coach for the past several seasons, which is unusual. And you've 
kind of been playing with the same group of guys as well, a lot of guys making the same journey that you are, and now you're in the majors with a lot of them. What has it been like, not only with the coaches, the players, all kind of growing at the same time and getting to the majors? Uh, it kind of feels like, uh, it sounds weird to say, but it feels like you're a kid again. You know, you're kind of playing with the, the guys you've known for the past three years and the coaches. It kind of feels like you're just, you're growing up, but in, in a professional way almost. You know, I, I play with a lot of my friends when I was growing up for several years. You know, we never got to this point, but it, it feels like almost surreal that I get to play with my buddies on a major league baseball team and the coaches I know and I want to play with the best. So it's almost surreal. Honestly, it's like, it's probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever had on a baseball field. Anthony, man, it's great to catch up with you a little bit. We're glad you are at least by your standards, staying warm in Michigan. And we look forward to some uh, sunnier skies in Peoria and hopefully uh, get a little more face to face time with you in 2021 than we did in 2020. Congrats on a, on a fantastic uh, first tour in the majors, Anthony, and we are very excited for what's next for you and for the Mariners. So thanks so much for hopping on with us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the interview, and hopefully I see you guys soon in, in about a month or so. We hope for the same. There's no doubt about that. That is Anthony Masevich, Mariners reliever. When we come back, we'll be joined by Emmanuel Sefuentes, the Mariners' assistant director of player development. That's straight ahead on the Hot Stove Report. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Hot Stove Show continues. Aaron Goldsmith alongside Gary Hill. And, boy, pleased to be joined right now by a guy that we we haven't seen face-to-face in uh, over a year. But Emmanuel Sefuentes, one of our favorite guys in the organization. Emmanuel has has climbed the ranks in a really relatively short period of time. He's the Mariners' newly minted assistant director of player development. Emmanuel was given that promotion, that new job title right before the new year. Emmanuel, first of all, it's great to see you. It's great to have you on the program. How are you? Happy New Year to you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Happy New Year uh, to you as well. Um, Everything is going really well. Obviously, in a new role, which I am incredibly grateful and excited for. Um, outside of that, life life is as good as can be right now with everything going on. So family is doing well. They're safe um, and they're very happy. So uh, really excited to be, be on with you guys, though. Like you said, it's been quite a long time um, and uh, certainly pumped to hear your voice again. Oh, that's nice. You, you've reached a big time when you're on with, with Gary and myself, you, you, you know, that <laughs> clearly, clearly you, you realize exactly. that. Hey, Emmanuel, your, your rise through the organization is one that many of our, almost all of our listeners, I'm sure, unless they're deep in the weeds of Mariners front office dumb don't know about, uh, but you joined the organization in 2014 and you have uh, climbed your way from uh uh, an entry level position uh, an amateur scouting all the way up to overseeing the uh, pro scouting department for the Mariners on the American league side, your previous role, and now uh, joining the player development ranks with the ball club, working alongside Andy McKay, who does a, a fantastic job. Can you tell us a little bit about your new job and what it will, what you will be bringing to the organization? Cause it seems like it's a perfect fit for you and the club. Yeah. Um, I think the most uh, kind of impact, I, I suppose, of or or kind of like the meat of the job is essentially taking our content, which Andy McKay, Max Weiner, Trent Blank, um, Hugh Quadobom, Connor Dawson, they've done an amazing job of building content over the last three to four years. And really now it's about taking that content, implementing it, 
um, making sure that our programs and our systems are being held to a high standard every single day throughout the entire organization. Um, and I think that's kind of the focus of it right now um, and, and moving forward. In terms of just kind of like the the path and the perspective, um, we've never had someone who was in scouting and now in player development or in advanced scouting and now in player development. So it is a unique perspective. I hope that um, it's a fresh perspective that I can add to the table. I've kind of seen the player pull from lots of different parts, from the major leagues all the way down to high school level, obviously at the college level and somewhat at the international level as well. So um, I think I bring a good understanding of the player on just kind of what it takes to get to the big leagues. And hopefully I can help out our players and staff in that regard. So let's say it's a random day in July, just a, just a random day. You go to work that day. What does a typical, if there is a typical work day look like for you in this role? Yeah, I think in July, one thing that I'm learning about player development right now is that no two days are alike. Mm. And that is something that um, I didn't quite understand before. And I never quite had to deal with in the past. In scouting, yes, there is a lot of um, fluidity to it, but it is somewhat structured. In advanced scouting, you know the 162-game schedule. It is what it is. You know who you're facing every single night. In player development, there are just so many different moving parts that you just don't know what's going to come up the next day. And it could be, it could range anything from what a player needs um, who's in the Dominican Republic to what a staff member needs in AAA. But um, I guess to try to answer your question, what I would assume a typical day is going to look like would be um, to read our game reports. Um, see what the players are up to, see what kind of what benchmarks and check marks they're they're hitting on a daily basis and on a weekly basis and on a yearly basis. And then obviously being in close contact with our coordinators and and just kind of hearing about what they're up to and uh, getting a good understanding for where all of our players are at through them. Emmanuel Sofuentes is our guest. He is the Mariners Assistant Director of Player Development. Emmanuel, now that you are fully entrenched in the Mariners minor league organization and system, broad question, what is it that excites you the most about what's going on right now in the minors for the Mariners? Very good question. And I think the two things that excite me the most is one, obviously the players in our system right now. Um, I'd be remiss to not mention Jerry Kalanick, Julio Rodriguez, Emerson Hancock, George Kirby, you name it. We do have a really good system right now. We've added a ton of talent over the last few years and um, incredibly excited to be around those types of players. And then the second thing is our staff. And Andy McKay has done a phenomenal job of, of adding impact staff members in every single position that we have. And it's very evident that when you talk to them, you clearly understand um, why Mariners player development system is um, going through staff members so much and uh, being poached by other teams. And it's something that from afar, I didn't quite understand on an intimate level. I knew that we were in a really good spot, but I never quite interacted with a lot of staff members. And um, I would say within the first two to three weeks, it was very evident that we have a very special group of staff members on board right now. I'm always interested in the kind of nature and nurture conversation when it comes to player development. And you have such a unique perspective. I mean, you played in college, as you've mentioned, you've been in all kinds of different roles already. When you look at a successful player in the big leagues, how much is it just raw ability? How much is it development through a system for him to get there? 
Yeah, uh, I think there's certainly a lot that has to do with raw ability, as mm -hmm. we all know. Um, it's a very it's a very selective group that gets to play major league baseball, um, let alone stick in major league baseball. There aren't many, there aren't many players that have been able, I think, I believe somewhere around 20,000 just to play a game in the big leagues. Um, so there's certainly a, a raw ability to get there. And I think the difference between getting there and, and sticking and staying is, is where everything else comes into play in terms of development. Um, teaching the players what to expect and and how to stick and how to use their unique talents um, and their unique abilities to uh, really create an advantage for them. And someone that I think about is uh, someone like Sean O'Malley, for instance, who mm -hmm. I was around uh, during advancing. And um, Sean just did an incredible job of using his own uh, strengths and weaknesses in a very advantageous way for him. Sean O'Malley, one of the Gary and I have talked about this, one of the only guys in the last decade to have their name chanted inside the ballpark. That so, is awesome. I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's a short list. It's him and Seager and maybe another guy. It's it's few and far between. Well, we continue with uh, Emmanuel Fuentes talking about the uh, developmental side with the Mariners. And Emmanuel, you had a chance to go down to Arizona a, a while ago at this point for this very, like everything this year or last year to this year, a very kind of hybrid Arizona Fall League. Uh, there was a, a kind of a good pivot by Major League Baseball and the Mariners to try to make something out of nothing. There was no Fall League per se, but the Mariners uh, partnered with a number of teams in close proximity to Peoria to try to have some type of development time. There are some big names, uh, some of them that you've already mentioned. Uh, Julio was there, Emerson Hancock, Noelle Marte uh, was there as well, and, and many, many others. Can you walk us through what that time period was like uh, for the players, for the organization, and some of the good things that came out of it? Yeah, we, we put a very comprehensive program together. Um, we essentially split the player pool into two buckets. There was a bucket that was there to play and to develop on-field skills and to make up for missed reps that um, obviously the lost season um, had on us. And then there was another bucket of players that was there just to do high performance, strength and conditioning, um, get healthy, work in the training room, and really just build their bodies in a way that uh, they didn't have access to throughout quarantine period. So with that being said, uh, we were able to kind of view this as very individualized programs for everyone. Uh, we were able to fill the team every day, which was great. Um, we didn't have a whole lot of players that were there to play every single day. We kept that list fairly small and it was kind of designed to be that way. And a lot of the players who got to play, um, I believe they ended up with somewhere around 60 to 70 played appearances. Uh, which, as we know, is not making up a full season, but it was much better than nothing. And the players who were just solely in the in the um, in the weight room and in the training room, we also saw a really good amount of gains there and and improvement that we're really excited about. How challenging has this past year been, given the circumstance, and trying to develop the next generation of ball players in the organization? Yeah, I think it's I think we won't really truly know the impact of that until probably years from now. Mm. Um, but I think the the challenge early on, um, I actually wasn't involved with it because I wasn't in player development then. Mm. And I know there were a lot more bigger challenges early on when there were so many unknowns. Um, I kind of came in at a at a at a part where 
there were fewer unknowns, I suppose. The all site was going. We knew um, we had the Arizona Development League going. And I know just from speaking to various people within the department, uh, this year has been challenging for a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. And as I mentioned before, the impact of that won't be known for a while. But I will say we are excited about the fact that a lot of players got to, in a very unique way, focus on their bodies in a way that they haven't been able to do before, whether it's add weight, add velocity to their fastballs, um, increase their speed, whatever it is. We've had such a long amount of time now where a lot of players have been able to focus on that. And I think we're going to see some surprises in 2021. Aaron and I have done the same too. We've taken advantage of this time and really improved on our speed and all those things as well. So I told myself I was going to do that, but it. <laughs> a lot of gains with a Z on my end for everybody. Just, you know, there's, there's no doubt. Hey, we, we've got a few minutes left with Emmanuel Sofuentes is the uh, Mariners assistant director of player development. And, you know, Emmanuel, we just saw recently Julio Rodriguez on the cover of Baseball America. Jared Kelnick has been on the cover of uh, almost everything in his uh, short career, it seems like, as well. And those two guys are front of mind. In your short period of time interacting with these two young men, what are your takeaways on both Jared and Julio? I'll start with Jared. First of all, with Jared, I think what makes Jared really unique and fascinating is he kind of has a split personality. And this is something that we talk, Andy and I talk a lot about with, with great players is that when you see him putting in the work, when you see him pregame, when you see him in the cage, when you see him doing his drills, he works as if he has so much to prove. He works as if he is not one of the better prospects in the game. Um, he works as if he hasn't accomplished anything. And then when you see him play, when you see him in the box, when you see him in between the lines, he knows that he is one of the best players on the field, if not the best player on the field. And I think that's really unique. It's really tough to balance, but Jared does a really nice job of that. Um, aside from that, he's obviously incredibly talented. Uh, I think that's something that we all know. We've, we've seen it for years now. We saw it at the all site. We saw it in spring training in both versions of spring training. So we couldn't be, obviously couldn't be any more excited about, about Jared in terms of Julio. Um, the thing that really stands out about Julio, aside from him, just being a physical specimen far beyond his years and being incredibly talented is that he's so charismatic. This personality is so bubbly, easy to get along with. I think the city of Seattle is just absolutely going to love him if they don't already. And the personality that he has is infectious with so many different people and players. There's not one player or staff member that doesn't gravitate towards him. And then what he does on the field is, is really special in terms of just how physical he is, the kind of power that he has, the kind of future hit tool that he's going to present. So uh, really unique for both players, really excited about both and couldn't be any more happy with where they're at right now. We really appreciate your time. Congratulations on the new job role with the Mariners, and we hope to be seeing you sometime very soon, my man. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Gary, and certainly hope to see you guys soon and hope we're playing some baseball here shortly. That was Emmanuel Sefuentes, the newly named Assistant Director of Player Development, working alongside Andy McKay, doing great things, and kind enough to hop on the Hot Stove Report with us tonight. Well, the Mariners Community Tour, presented by Root Sports, is back in 2021 and going virtual. Tune into public live streams featuring Mariners players and broadcasters as they discuss their off-seasons and the outlook on the season ahead. For more information, dates, and times, just visit mariners.com slash community tour.
We've got more of the Hot Stove Report coming straight up. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back. Glad you're with us at the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill as we're joined now by Mandy Leakin, the Mariners Director of Marketing. Mandy, Happy New Year to you. How are you? Happy New Year. I am good. Thanks for having me on. You've been working from home diligently? Or have you been able to make it into the office these days? What's going on there? I'm, I'm dabbling in both a little bit, trying to be safe. Um, but, you know, nice to get in the ballpark every once in a while. I know. T-Mobile Park has been an empty place over the last few months. But that has not kept good work from being done, Mandy, in the front office, especially within the marketing department. Uh, in these weeks and months leading up to the Mariners' arrival in Peoria, where we're all eager to see some sunshine and baseball. I know it sounds like we've got a lot of things coming down the pike for Mariners fans in terms of content, specifically online. What can you tell us? Yeah, it's typically this time of year that, uh, you know, the holidays wrapped up, football's starting to wrap up, and, you know, people are starting to think, okay, baseball's right around the corner and uh, people are excited. So we're being, you know, excited right alongside them and uh, looking to engage with them. And in this crazy time, looking to, to do something new. So uh, a little sneak peek for hot stove listeners uh, later this week, we're going to be announcing um, a virtual uh, event for two weeks and uh, called the new Mariners virtual baseball bash. Now, I realize that this is, we're teasing this, Mandy. We, we are. We are getting people the heads up that, that something great is coming their way for approximately a two-week stretch beginning on Tuesday the 19th. Uh, is there any, any foreshadowing that we can do to further inform? Or is this I can, is I can give you a little. Can we, I mean, for, exclusively for Hot Stove Report listeners? Only because it's Hot Stove listeners. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> Uh, we usually do are looking to provide access for our fans. Um, so whether that's Q&A with players or coaches, alumni, prospects, um, letting fans, you know, be a fly on the wall of media sessions with players. Uh, we're doing so- social takeovers on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we're playing games. We're looking to give out prizes. And I don't know about you guys, but I do a lot of these virtual calls and I don't think I'm getting prizes when I tune in. So <laughs> look into look into just surprise and delight fans over this um, two week baseball bash. I assume Gary, you'll be hosting the uh, TikTok sessions. Was it, I think Mandy was just fishing for a prize coming on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was? what yeah. do you got for me? I need to find something. Well, I know, uh, I know (laughs) Gary's just, will offer anything up. I know Mandy during the last man, ever since the Mariners uh, came back early from spring training and we knew that we'd be at home for a long, long time. The Mariners have made a a real push and put a real emphasis on their YouTube channel, which has uh, grown significantly over this time. And the, the Mariners have, just incredibly capable men and women within the organization that are helping to put content on that channel specifically. It's been just terrific. Uh, I I would imagine that the YouTube channel might also have some traffic driven to it during this time as well. Is that fair to assume? Yes. YouTube will see lots of love. um, Lots of, you know, looking at dozens of virtual events over this two week period, starting next Tuesday. 
um, where fans can tune into all sorts of platforms, whether that's YouTube or Mariners.com or on social channels. Um, so we're activating on on all cylinders as we know that you know this is the way we're we're reaching fans in this crazy world right now. So between now and Tuesday the 19th, for fans to uh, find out more about this when more is made available, will this be uh, the Mariners' email distribution list? Will this be on Mariners.com, uh, on the social media channels? How should people – What where should people be looking to get more details when they are released, that is? All, all of the above. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be announcing on, uh, on social. There will be a press release that's sent out, and then fans can kind of see the whole lineup of the two weeks online at mariners.com slash baseball bash very nice very nice all right well uh hey mandy it's a uh, great to have you on the program happy new year to you and uh we haven't seen one another gary and i haven't seen you for about a year so we uh look forward to the next time that we run into you over at t-mobile park so thank you so much for hopping on with us always happy to do so she is Mandy Lincoln. She is the Mariners Director of Marketing. Great work being done inside the ballpark or from home. Subscribe to the Mariners YouTube channel for unique content, highlights, live streams, and much more. It's the best way to get your daily dose of Mariners baseball, whether it's a game day or not. Visit youtube.com slash Mariners to join the fun. When we come back, we wrap up the show. Hot Stove Report continues on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Well, we are winding things down here on the Hot Stove Report. Glad you're with us, Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. With you each and every Tuesday night for the foreseeable future till spring training starts up. Talking all things Mariners and Gary. Man, great show tonight. Anytime we can talk things over with Marco Gonzalez, it is a good time. Marco, kind enough to join us for not one but two segments. And among the many insights that Marco uh, gave us tonight, he told us all about his favorite part of preparing for a start. There's a period where I leave the music at my locker, leave my phone at my locker, text my wife, tell her I love her. And I go out on the field and those moments before I start throwing are just full of gratitude and I feel grounded. I feel like it's where I'm supposed to be. I can, I can leave my phone for a minute and it's just pure. It's very pure. There's no politics. There's no noise going on. Um, and it's just, it's very, it's almost blissful really. Um, and then once I start throwing a baseball, then it's, 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 fiery and it's intense and there's emotion, but, but the, that window where the prep is done and I can step away and then walk out on the field. Those are, those are my favorite times. You know, Gary, you mentioned this earlier. I, I'm, I'm not sure we've heard a, a starting pitcher go quite as in depth as that. And, and Marco talked even longer at the time about his favorite part of preparing for a start, because you know that <laughs> this is a multi-layered process for Marco or any starting pitcher. I love hearing about the process too. And I love thinking about the contrast of on the field, Marco versus off the field, Marco. <laughs> the Marco we get in these conversations is not the on the field Marco that opponents get, which I think is really, really great. He is uh he is a different guy. He's a different guy. And as we'll hear from Emmanuel Sefuentes in a short while, uh, there's somebody else uh, that was mentioned this evening that was uh, in, in similar vein. But uh, Marco's preparation is second to none. And we look for big things once again, even which is hard to think even better things for Marco in 2021. But I, I think we all know we, we don't quite know the ceiling yet for yeah, Marco I, Gonzalez. I've stopped thinking about 
the ceiling about where it is for Marco because I, I feel like he's earned that. I mean, he's continued to push the ceiling up and up and up. And really, when you look at last season, I think the Cy Young Award last year in the American League was obvious. After that, there was a, a number of pitchers that had really good seasons, and Marco was in that group. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in the American League last year, and he's one of the best pitchers in the American League going into this season. And I don't think that's an overstatement when you look at uh, starting pitching in the American League. No, there's no doubt. You're absolutely right. Hey, Kyle Glazer of Baseball America, their national writer, was kind enough to join us tonight on the Hot Stove Report, talking to us, among many things, among other things, with the top end of the Mariners' farm system. This is one of the strongest top of the systems in Major League Baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays are in that conversation. The San Diego Padres, even after all their trades, are in the conversation. But there's no question the Mariners have some elite, elite talent at the top of their system matched by few others in Major League Baseball today. You know, Gary, when you hear him speak as definitively as he does about the Mariners system, the depth, the top end of it, and how it is the best currently within the division, man, this is, this is real, Gary. There are a lot of statements made on the show today that I think <laughs> enjoy, but I don't think none bigger than that one. <laughs> that is a big statement that was made about the Mariners in the system. That should make all Mariners fans smile, and it should make Mariner fans uh, just when, they, when we think about the future and what is coming on the horizon, it should make Mariner fans very, very happy. Isn't it funny how Taylor Trammell, who is – a great young player who more than likely has a very promising big league career ahead of him. Taylor Trammell, that type of a player, just a handful of years ago, you know, pre-Kyle Lewis being drafted. I mean, he's the Mariners' top prospect. Yeah. And now we can go an entire show without mentioning his name. Per Baseball America, he checks in at just outside the top five at, at six. Yeah. That's right. This is a guy who's been to the Futures game twice. I mean, he's, who's been in two big-time trades, uh, and he's outside the top five. I know. So we, this speaks far more to the depth and high-end talent of the system than it does to the skill set of Taylor Trammell. That's right. That's a good point. That, that is a great point. Because if you put Trammell in another system right now, he could be number one in another system or top three in another system. So There's no doubt. Yeah, it, it does speak to the, the top talent the Mariners have right now. We were joined by Emmanuel Sofuentes on the show tonight, uh, recently named the Mariners' new assistant director of player development, working alongside farm director Andy McKay. And it, when you talk to somebody who works with the Mariners' farm system, you got to talk about guys like Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick. And we asked him his uh, earliest impressions working alongside Kelnick in particular. What makes Jared really unique and fascinating is he kind of has a split personality. And this is something that we talk, Andy and I talk a lot about with, with great players is that when you see him putting in the work, when you see him pregame, when you see him in the cage, when you see him doing his drills, he works as if he has so much to prove. He works as if he is not one of the better prospects in the game. Um, he works as if he hasn't accomplished anything. And then when you see him play, when you see him in the box, when you see him in between the lines, he knows that he is one of the best players on the field, if not the best player on the field. And I think that's really unique. It's really tough to balance, but Jared does a really nice job of that. Aside from that, he's obviously incredibly talented. Uh, I think that's something that we all know. We've, we've seen it for years now. 
we saw it at the all site. We saw it in spring training in both versions of spring training. So we couldn't be obviously couldn't be any more excited about about Jared. Gary, this to me was one of my favorite sound bites of the show because it, it's so obvious when I hear Emmanuel describe it from everything we've been told about Jared and we, we've interacted with him just briefly, but we haven't, uh, of course, seen him play live and in person outside of Peoria. But this is who he is. He has the mentality that he is the greatest player who has maybe ever played, uh, but he also has a split mentality that he has to work harder than everybody else, which to find that package is one in a million. We've talked to a lot of people about Jared Kelnick, and I think that might be the best description we've had of him so far, what Emmanuel gave us. That, that is a really great description. And, I mean, don't you want that out of one of your leaders? Like, theoretically, when he you know, is in his prime and the best or one of the best players on the team, also one of the hardest workers – I mean, that is a phenomenal combination that you want in a player. And I feel like the Mariners have a clubhouse with that type of makeup. When you yeah. look at Marco, Seager, Mariners are getting Mitch Haniger back this year. Uh, guys like Tom Murphy, these guys who are just just gym rats, junkyard dogs in terms of how hard they work and their ethic. And yet when they step on the field, they know, they believe that they are among the very, very best. It's part of the conversation from the outside that I always think is a hard conversation to have. Like, what does clubhouse chemistry mean? What, you know, those kind of nebulous conversations that are hard to pin down. But that, that's part of it, right? Is, is holding each other accountable for the work that we don't see. Hey, be sure to visit any of the convenient one-stop shops for Mariners gear located at Westfield South Center, Alderwood Mall, downtown Seattle at 4th and Stewart, or, of course, a gorgeous T-Mobile Park. For hours, just check out mariners.com slash team store. This has been a blast tonight on the Hot Stove Report. We're with you each and every Tuesday night on 710 ESPN from 7 to 9 p.m. And don't forget, every Wednesday morning, the day following the Hot Stove Report, uh, the entire show is put up on Mariners Pod by Gary. So if you missed part of today's tonight's episode or you want to hear some of it again, just check out uh, the Mariners podcast, Mariners Pod, tomorrow, wherever you find your podcast. So for Gary Hill, for all of our fantastic guests, I'm Aaron Goldsmith. Glad you could join us. We'll talk to you next Tuesday at 7 o'clock.